The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. We asked uh, some high school girls to do the scripture reading this weekend because the truth is, Mary, by all everything you know about historical records back then, was probably anywhere between 14 and 16 years old when she's engaged to be married and then has the baby. That seems like that's crazy in our culture, right? Because today, you know, you go to high school, then you go to college, you have your gap year, you stay your parents' insurance until you're 30 years old, and maybe around 37 you'll decide to have a, get married have a kid. So it's just that that's, and that's not, that's not a slam on. That's just it's different. It sounds like 14 to 16, well, it's economically driven. It's just the way things were back then. And I love it here in the story. If you could get back to Luke chapter 1, It says that her, her aunt, maybe her cousin, Elizabeth, we're not quite sure, uh, is going to have a baby. And then this angel shows up and talks to Mary. In verse 28 of Luke chapter 1, Gabriel, one of God's, like, there's like three angels in the whole Bible that are given names. Gabriel's like one of the dudes. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favorite woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. I love that. If you show up today, you get home, you're putting groceries away, you get back from having lunch somewhere, and you put the groceries down on the counter, or students, you put your backpack down on the bed, whatever, and all of a sudden there's an angel standing there, you go, hey, greetings, you're highly favored by God. You would be confused and disturbed too. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And then I love this. Verse 30, don't be Afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You know why he has to tell Mary that? Because she's afraid. But I also thought about that this this week. I heard a guy talking about this on a podcast I listened to. If from time to time God tells you to do something and it doesn't scare you a little bit, you're probably not obeying him the way you should. From time to time, God's going to show up and go, hey, I want you to do something. I want you to trust me on something. I want you to, I've got something on your life. I want you to do for me. If from time to time you're not a little bit afraid where God is, oh, it's okay, I know you're scared. Don't be afraid, I got you in this. You're probably not doing it right. He says, you found favor with God. Now you think, favor with God? That'd be all. Anybody want to vote for favor with God? Yeah, unlimited power, unlimited resources. In fact, what Jaden just read for us there, when she goes to visit her aunt, Elizabeth, Elizabeth says, you are favored above all. In other words, if God had the lottery... And said, of all the billions of people on planet Earth, I'm choosing you to be the most blessed, most of anybody. Anybody want to sign up for that? Most blessed above all anybody else? Everybody sign up for that. Until you climb in the story a little bit. Most highly favored, he says, and then he says this. You wonder, what's that mean, most highly favored? What would you think most highly favored? I, I get a great family get a great life. God's going to bless me. We, some of us, know the story. You know what's coming next. She didn't know that day. Here's what it means to be blessed by, by God above all else. You will conceive and give birth to a son, name him Jesus, what Jaden just read for us. Give him the, all that. And he just goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. How's that going to happen? I'm, I'm one of those girls that in high school, I'm not being a naughty girl. I've been good. And I don't know everything about everything, but I know I haven't done that yet nor have a child. How in the world is it going to happen? You know what it means to be blessed by God? Write this down on, that, on your note sheet today. Sometimes you're going to be perplexed. 
You'll be perplexed by what God's asking you to do. Like, wait, how, how's that even possible? How, it's, it may not answer all your questions. It may create more questions for you to be totally blessed by God. Uh, and then the angel explains that, hey, no, it's going to be a supernatural conception. <laughs> and, and, she, and he says, look at there in verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. That may be all some of you need today because you may be in impossible situations right now. I know some of your stories looking around here and you think, is it even possible for that ever to turn around? Is it ever? Guys, you need to hold on to the Christmas time today. If God can speak a child into existence in the, in the womb of a 15, 16-year-old girl, he can solve your problem. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. And then Mary, and then, and Mary says, all right, I'm God's servant. May everything you ever said about me come true. This is what God's looking for from us. When we're scared and we're not quite sure what he wants from us, all right, God, you want me to obey you? Want me to trust you? I don't get it all. I'm perplexed. I don't have to have it all figured out. But God, whatever it is, may everything you said about this, may it come true for me. That's a great way to pray and talk to God. I don't know your plans. I don't understand your plans. It's a little scary and weird for me right now. May everything you said come true. And then she breaks into this song. For those of you, uh, you'll see in the, the heading in your Bible, it's called the Magnificat. They've actually, it's a, a song that Mary writes. She's probably one of those, what, millennials, Gen Zers. She probably plays the accordion or the saxophone or a guitar or the fiddle. And she writes a song there. She's so stoked about this. She just composes a song there. And she says, my soul praises God. From now, all generations are going to call me blessed. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And she breaks into the song and she's playing. Joseph. What, what am I going to tell Joseph? She's engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, we hear engagement today and think, okay, people, you know, you go to a restaurant, you go to the beach, you have it, what, sky, you know, go to the stadium or however you do it, you get the ring on your finger, think, oh, it's awesome, you get married someday. And then the legal thing happens when you get married in front of a judge or a priest or a pastor and you sign the wedding license and all that kind of thing. Back then, the engagement was the legal contract. You were you were, it was, you were officially married. It wasn't consummated yet. It wasn't all, all the way done. And in order, to, in order to break an engagement, you had to get divorced. It wasn't just like give the ring back and just move on your way and people cry and all that kind of. It was a big, big deal. What am I going to tell Joseph? You can picture the scene now because Joseph, we know, is a carpenter. He's out there working in his garage He's got sawing on some stuff, got a hammer in his hand, whatever. And Mary walks in after having this crazy conversation with Gabriel. And she goes, oh, um, Joseph, Joseph. And she has to unplug the saw because he's, he's, oh, yeah, what do you want, Mary? Well, okay. I like, um, so, uh, like, promise you won't get mad. Dude's ever been on that side of that conversation? <laughs> promise you won't get mad. Oh, no, Mary, yeah, he loves her. I, yeah, I won't get mad. What's going on? Okay, so promise you won't get mad. I won't get mad. Promise you won't get mad. I promise. 
Okay, so like Joseph, um, promise. We're going to have, no, I'm going to have a baby. And at that point, you hear the hammer drops, the saw breaks. A what? Because Joseph knows that it's not his. And not because they've used birth control. They, they used self-control. little side note there for our culture and today. That's a different thing, different talk. Matthew 1. Flip over there in Matthew 1. You see the account of this that happens here. Matthew 1, verse 18, he says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. You'll see in your Bibles that word, break the engagement, it's a little asterisk star there. You know what it says down below in the footnotes? To divorce her. That's what it took to break an engagement, an official thing. And back in that culture, there's actually verses in the Bible that say when a woman is engaged to a man and she's found to be unfaithful, there were stipulations there where she could be taken outside and killed. Capital punishment for cheating. Joseph's a good man. He doesn't want to do that. The truth is it probably wasn't being practiced very much. But minimally, minimally she's going to be Shamed and disgraced. Uh, sometimes you're perplexed. Sometimes you're rejected and scared is what will happen. Because Joseph, this man she's engaged to, says, that's it, Mary, I'm out. I think he thought, you know what? We, we did all the marriage counseling. We did our eHarmony profiles. We, we synced up our Enneagrams and our Myers-Briggs and our whatever the thing are. We've done all this stuff to do here. I got a crazy one. Because imagine you're telling him, no, no, Joe, you don't understand. I haven't been with anybody else. Um, an angel came and visited me, and God's going to make me pregnant? That's weird. You would think, moms and dads, your teenage daughter walks in today and says, okay, an angel showed up to me, and I'm pregnant. You would take your daughter to get her counseling immediately. She's delusional. That's what he thinks. She's delusional. But he loves her. He doesn't want to have her shamed and disgraced. He wants to break the engagement quietly. But the hard part for her is she'd be rejected and scared and the shame that would go along with that. It wouldn't be just that there's no social services now. In our culture today, if that happens, single moms, there's resources. It's certainly a challenge, without a doubt, single moms and dads. But back then, there was nothing that would take care of her financially. She'd be shamed outcasted, ridiculously poor. She's rejected and scared. And then Joseph has a dream because the angel Gabriel who talked to Mary also comes to Joseph and says, hey, Joe, what the girl said is true. Take her home, marry her, do not be with her until after the baby's born because the, the whole deal was this is prophetic and we don't want anybody to say, well, Maybe it was some, you know, late kind of thing. Well, no, no, don't be with her at all. So, so Joseph took her home, he married her, but did not have relations with her until Jesus was born. That's Matthew's version of the story. Back to Luke. Luke chapter 2 again. <laughs> so Mary's pregnant now. 
Mary and Joseph living together, still technically fiance, married husband and wife, we're not quite sure, and all this. And all of a sudden they decide, you know what we need to do here? The Roman Empire, who rules over the world at this point, decides we're going to have a census. A census of the whole world. Everybody has to go back to their hometown to register. They wanted to keep track of their citizenship roles and numbers and be very efficient. It was probably more driven by economics than it was by record keeping. Because they wanted to make sure they knew everybody was. So they make sure they got their taxes from everybody. So everybody has to go back to their hometown to register. Mary and Joseph are from a little village called Nazareth. The only reason we know about Nazareth is because Mary and Joseph were from there and Jesus was raised there. We, it wouldn't even be on a map today in our Bibles. You wouldn't even think about it. Nazareth is a podunk, little nothing, little nasty little village in the middle of nowhere. Nobody would go there. Nobody cared about it. A ridiculous little place. But Joseph was born down in Bethlehem, so he has to get married and go down to Bethlehem. It's a 70-mile journey. They have to go down to Bethlehem. And it says look here in verse 5, he took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. This is not first trimester. This is like the old King James Bible says, great with child. So great with child is now probably what, month seven, eight? Like she's showing and whatever. And now blessed by God means, write this down, I'm going to be super uncomfortable. She has to go on a 70-mile trip, not, not in a car. I mean, hard enough to do stuff like that on a plane or a train or automobile, whatever. She's going to have to probably walk, probably four or five, maybe six days, walking, being great with child. And some people say, well, maybe it wasn't so bad because maybe Joseph had like a horse or a donkey. I'm thinking, and that's going to help? Being great with child? <laughs> And if you're, if you're married, you've got to go, okay, blessed by God. Why couldn't the sense of it happened a year ago or a year from now? Like, why now? Why, why does that happen? That just seems crazy and silly. If I'm blessed by you, God, wouldn't you be looking out for me at some level? So she's perplexed. She's rejected and scared. She's super uncomfortable. And then to make matters worse, it says, and while they were there, verse 6, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for him. And they went, you got to be kidding me. 70 miles, great with child. There's no hotel room. There's no Airbnb. They have to put the baby in a manger, a feeding trough. Because of that, people kind of think, okay, where was that? Was that like in a, a barn out back? Was it in a cave where they would often keep animals in that culture? Uh, I got a chance to go to Israel several years ago, and they've excavated some villages from the, the first century. And in some of the homes, they actually have manger feeding troughs in the home. You know why? Because people that are poor don't have the ability to have a home and a barn. The animals just stayed outside in the yard in a fenced-off area until the weather got really bad. So you sometimes bring the animals in at night, and they had to kind of sleep in the kitchen. So you got sheep and donkeys and all kinds of stuff in your house. But if you're married, you've got to be thinking, okay, seriously, couldn't we have a doctor? Or a midwife guy, you couldn't have arranged that somehow somebody could have showed up and, and maybe could have helped take care of us. Sometimes it's going to happen. You'd be super uncomfortable, and sometimes you're going to feel like, did God just forget about us? You couldn't, God, find us. somebody have a rich person. Or you could supernaturally conceive a child in me. Couldn't you have supernaturally conceived a bed 
for me to be in and not put the baby in a manger that's covered with goat saliva and cow saliva and sheep dung on the floor. Like, come on, God. What, what do you do? You feel like you're forgotten by God. You got to think, okay, blessed by God? Perplexed, rejected, super uncomfortable, just completely forgotten. And, and you got to figure too, yeah, uh, we do that, did the song last weekend here, Little Drummer Boy. This, this great little fable story of the little drummer boy that I played my drum for him. Parumpa pum pum, rumpa pum pum, me and my drum. And it says there in that story, and then he smiled at me. Parumpa pum pum. What if Mary thought about that? If, I mean, we don't know if the drum, there probably wasn't a real drum boy that showed up there. It's a kind of fable, kind of cool story there. I think Mary probably went to her uh, Instagram account, to TikTok, to Snap, and recorded a couple things. Like, seriously? Seriously, I just had a baby. A baby, and you're going to go play this drum right in my face? Get out of here, young man. Take your parumpa pum pum and rumpa pum pum. Reminds me of this cool little thing they did on Saturday Night Live a few years ago. Take a look. He's here. He's finally here. Oh, look, Joseph, our son, Jesus. You've done something extraordinary. And now, Mary, you really must rest. Mm. Huh. I wonder who that could be. Well, whoever it is, tell them to leave. Why? Well, I don't know about you, Joseph, but I'm just not in the mood to have people over right now because I just had a baby in a barn. So. I understand, Mary. Greetings. We heard there is a baby, a savior baby. We wish to look upon him. We wish to look upon him. Sure, come on in, take a look. <laughs> okay, so we're just gonna have visitors, even though the place is a mess and I have no time to get ready. Cool, cool, cool. Yes, I am Nicodemus. This be Barshaba. Are you okay? You look so tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. Mm. Huh, wonder who that could be. Joseph, no more guests, please. I got it, I got it. <laughs> Salutations. We are three wise men. Cool. Come in. Truly, Joseph. Truly. Ooh. Is this the child? Look, look, I know you're all judging me because there's no place to sit and my shawl is jacked, but just like, know that I had a baby in a barn today. Okay? Baby in a barn. Mary, it's fine. Nobody cares. I care. I have looked cute every day of my 14-year-old life. <laughs> and, and now we have literal kings visiting, and I look like hot hummus. No one is thinking that. That guy is. She's right, I was thinking that. <laughs> Don't listen to him. We care about your well-being. Well, I'm glad you care, because you know who didn't? Every hotel owner in Bethlehem. Uh, so. <laughs> Mary, Joseph, we come bearing gifts. We the Magi have brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Great, I heard blankets, diapers, and a crib. <laughs> hey, you can just come in. Ugh. We're here to see the child. Oh, great. <laughs> and an animal. Hey, you know what? Sorry about her. She's being super weird today. Would you guys like drinks or something? Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. Yes. Hey, Mary. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
These guys say they want drinks. <laughs> so? So, can you get them? Because <laughs> I, I don't know where we keep them. <laughs> and I'm out. Cool, guys. This has been fun. Take care of my baby for me. Bye. Wait, you, what are you painting? I'm painting the birth of Jesus as it was and as it always will be. Uh, no. Here's how you're going to paint me, all right? Serene and gorgeous with rays of light coming out of my head. <laughs> and maybe I'm, just, maybe I'm just posing like this. Mary, you're being crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess just when I found out that I was going to give birth to the Savior, I just assumed it was going to be nicer. Like... <laughs> There would be a real bed and, I don't know, like a doctor? And no sheep poop on the floor, but everybody's looking at me. And I feel puffy, and I feel gross. Guys, uh, I think Mary just needs some rest. Perhaps everyone can come back tomorrow? Sure. Finally. It's just me and my special little baby. Mary! The angel Gabriel. Look, Jesus was born just as you foretold. Oh, I know, but Mary, are you okay? You look tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot more probably how it would have felt forgotten and what in the world's going on. We find out later, too, that in that culture, eight days after the child's born, you went to the temple for like a purification ritual, ceremony, dedication of the child, all that kind of thing. And when you did that, uh, in the book of, books of Litovigitus and Deuteronomy, they prescribed things you would bring. And every parent was to bring a, a lamb to come and offer as a sacrifice there in the temple. We don't do that anymore, but they did it back then. But there was a stipulation that if you were dirt poor, if you couldn't afford a lamb, and lambs weren't crazy expensive, but if you were dirt poor and couldn't afford a lamb, then you could bring two little pigeons, two little doves. And Mary and Joseph show up, blessed by God above all else. You know what they bring? Two doves. They're poor. And not like kind of poor, like middle class poor, like dirt poor. Blessed by God, God, really? You couldn't have arranged something we could have offered like the legitimate sacrifice. I had to show up here with two little doves to do it. And then after they've offered that sacrifice, there's a man named Simeon there. He's an older man. He's been waiting for years. God had told him, hey, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. You're going to see the, this Messiah before you die. And he was waiting in the temple, just go, okay, God, when, when is that going to happen? And says, Jesus goes by and he sees him. And then he uh, gives us what you would put like on the birth announcement. If you were doing, you know, through some kind of online Canva or Shutterfly, you know, send out a bunch of a birth announcement things. Look what he says about this child. Look at verse 34. Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, here's the birth announcement. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Blessed by God, huh? Baby's eight days old, and the birth announcement 
the guy tells you, this child's going to break your heart. And not just break your heart like, oh, break my heart like a sword will pierce your soul. The kind of sorrow and stuff, and Mary had to be thinking about that when she gets 33 years later on a muddy hillside and her son is hanging on a cross. Now, we heard the story so many times in the painting sometimes. Imagine that's not Jesus, son of God on the cross. That's, that's little Elliot. That's Jaden. That's Oliver. That's, that's your child there. And that flash goes back in her mind. Of like he told me it was going to break my heart. I had no idea at the time. Sometimes what it means, being blessed by God, your heart's going to be wounded and destroyed. You're going to be, write this down, devastated. Devastated. And then to make matters worse, this hasn't happened for her yet. So, okay, Simeon says all this stuff. And then these magi, the wise men, come from the east to Herod, who's the king of Israel at this point, and says, hey, we've heard about this baby who's born, king of the Jews. The prophets told about him for centuries of time. The baby's been born today. We saw the star in the east. It guided us to here. Where is he? And Herod says, I don't want any Messiah to come rule and reign because I'm the king. And if the king has been born, that means this king is going to be gone so he goes on this genocidal thing all in and around the region of Bethlehem and kills every child two years old and under. And Mary and Joseph have the angel come to him in a dream, go, hey, Joe, Mary, get up right now. Get out of here, take the baby, and get down to Egypt. Now, you and I hear that going out of Egypt, okay, just get out of town. Understand something here. In the book of Deuteronomy, there's verses on your notes. You can, you can verify this for yourself. God looks at his people who he has brought out of 400 years of being slaves in Egypt. And he looks at them and says, under no circumstances are you ever to go back there ever, ever, ever again. Never go back there. So wait a minute, God. What are you doing? Because you're contradicting yourself now, it feels like. Sometimes being blessed by God means you're going to be totally confused because you're doing everything right and it's a mess and then God contradicts himself. Like the Bible says this, but what is going on here? I think when Mary says, everything you said about me come true had to be going, oh, maybe I should have asked God for a forecast of the future because this is just weird and crazy and silly. It tells us in, Chapter 2, verse 19, it says that Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The old King James Bible says Mary treasured these things in her heart. The idea of treasuring them was not like, hmm, treasuring them. It's more the idea of thinking about it, like perplexed, confused. What? what? So what do we do when blessed is a honking mess. What do you do when blessed is a mess? When, it, when you've done nothing wrong, you've done everything right, and you're perplexed, you're confused, you're devastated, you're forgotten by God, you've done everything right, and there's all these unexpected twists and turns. I think one of the things we have to do is we have to recalibrate the blessings settings. See, you and I think if God shows up to you in a dream today and says, I'm going to bless you above everybody else on planet Earth, we would think what? 
money, health, relationships. It's going to be beautiful, comfort, security, peace, awesome, pleasure. My life is going to be just amazing and all that. And maybe we need to recalibrate what it means to be blessed by God. Jesus himself does this. The very first sermon message that he ever gives, as he starts the message off, he, he, he says in Matthew chapter 5, you might want to turn there and see this. He says, hey, look, I'm here to bless your life. Here's what blessing is. God blesses those who are poor. God blesses those who mourn. God blesses those who are humble. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty. God blesses, later on, God blesses those who are persecuted. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and slander you. Blessed? See, I think we have to recalibrate the blessings settings. And maybe what, what he means by this, because we know from Mary's life, the blessings weren't about pleasure and comfort and ease. Because what Mary did, the trajectory of the universe changed. And maybe what if blessing is more about making a difference than making a million? What if it's about, more about, about making, a, making an impact, changing somebody's life? Uh, and Mary becomes a hero. We have today all over the world in all kinds of churches, uh, in America, in England, in Spain, in Africa, all over the world. I've had a chance to travel a few places and see some of these things. There's pictures of Jesus in there and Mary in there. There's famous statues that are worth millions of dollars. You know what that's a fulfillment of? All generations will call her blessed. But you know what? Not her generation. People looked at Mary and thought, God blessed you above all else? No, thank you. No, thanks. Sometimes we have to recalibrate the blessing settings, and sometimes you're going to make great sacrifices to make a great impact. And the greater the impact, the greater the sacrifice you're going to make. The more it's going to cost you, it's going to be frustrating and difficult at times. And when that happens, if you're like me, <laughs> I'm going to go, God, could you just bless somebody else right now? I, there's a, a guy years and years ago said, before God uses a person greatly, he must break them deeply. I go, no thanks, I'll just be used kinder by God. I don't want to be broken deeply. I don't want to go through that kind of craziness and that kind of awful thing going on. Someone else, please, God. Or here's what I want, God. I want to be blessed by you. Could you just give me... I don't want the supersized number one combo meal. I want the happy meal blessing. I want to be kind of blessed because the total blessing over here means all that sacrifice. Can you just give me some bite-sized versions of it? I don't want the whole thing. Second thing you have to keep in mind when, when blessed is a mess for you and for me, like it was for Mary, you might be exactly where God wants you to be. I don't know about you, but whenever things start to go south in my life, whenever I'm sick, whenever financial pressure gets turned up, when relationships aren't working out right, you know what your first thought goes across your mind? Karma. What did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong here? And when you know you haven't done anything wrong, it's just like, okay, God, maybe you have a God up there who's just out there just trying, just looking for the least tiny little thing to go, mm, zzz, to zap you with it. See, karma says, if you're good, good things happen to you. And if you're bad, bad things happen to you. And overall, that's that kind of overall truth about life. But the truth is it's not always true. Because look at Mary. Has she done anything wrong? Well, she's not perfect, but she's doing everything God's told her to do. 
And life is going sideways and south, and it's crazy for her. You need to know today, for some of you, my hope this weekend is, is not to exhort you or to convict you. Some of you need to be encouraged today. Look right at me. You might be exactly where God wants you to be. You might be smack dab right in the center of God's will and all hell's breaking loose in your life and it's crazy. You might be. So what that, Mary's life teaches us that. So maybe the joy of Christ, Christ mess, is that God enters into the mess and says, hey, pal, I know you're confused and frustrated. Mary was too. Learn from her story here and recognize it's not always your fault. Now, when it is your fault, own up to that. That's a different thing. But you might be right where God wants you to be. When your kid goes south and breaks your heart, you go, what did we do wrong? Nothing. When your finances go south, when you lose a job, when people in your life shun you and turn their backs on you, and you're, what in the world's going on here? You might be exactly where God wants you to be. Don't, don't fall into the trap of thinking, oh, I must be a jerk. I must be terrible. I must have done something wrong in my childhood that God's 30 years later now zapping me for. It's not how it works. It might be exactly where God wants you to be. And I'll tell you, too, when, when life's a mess, when blessing's a mess, look for confirmation in the confusion. When, when it's confusing and you're, and you're doing everything right and it's, it's just not working out right, God will give you confirmation that you are right where he wants you to be. Like with Mary. And Joseph, he sends angels to them. Now, most of us are not going to have angels show up and give us a word, but you are going to have people show up and give you a word. And what you need right here is people around you that will speak truth into your life. Because when you're all the craziness like this, all you can see is this right here. You need some people that pull your hands down and go like this. Go, look, you're, you're doing a good job here. I know you're frustrated. I know you don't like it. It's confusing. And it may not change anytime soon but you're right where God wants you to be. You need people around. It was interesting with, with uh, the wise men show with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, super valuable stuff. My guess is, that's, this is the Bible over here, this is me speculating over here, I wonder how Mary and Joseph survived in Egypt for the time they were down there. Because they don't have, you know, they don't, they don't have on monsterjobs.com to go transfer from Nazareth or Bethlehem down into Egypt, especially a foreign country. I don't think about Egyptians and Israeli people. They don't like each other very much. So the chance you'd be down there, ostracized, outsiders there, that may have been how God just provided confirmation for them in the midst of the confusion. Sometimes it's a talk at a church. It's a kind word. Somebody just encourages you with. Sometimes it'll be like circumstances. Like God will just give you a little nudge there. Like a door will open. Something will resolve itself. Guys, this was me 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I was at a church that I loved down in Vista. Doing great. But this idea came up, this confusing, weird idea. Like, no, that's dumb. Moved to Temecula and started church. What moron would do that? <laughs> and so I said, God, if you want me to do this, I'm, it's, we'll see. I, I, some things need to happen here. And it was weird. In the next five weeks, bang, 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 bang. And then a couple things that I even asked about, God went bang, 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 and confirmed it. God will provide confirmation for you in the midst of, of the confusion. That's why you need to ponder those things. And then I think too, in the midst of the mess, Mary and Joseph probably didn't feel very blessed in the moments there. And I don't know what heaven is like right now. The Bible gives us some quick little snapshots here and there. But imagine now Mary and Joseph in heaven 
wherever that is and however that works right now. And they're sitting down there at Heaven's Corners coffee shop and bookstore having a latte and just reminiscing and thinking, remember that? That was crazy. I thought you were out of your mind, girl. And look at us. We were 14, 17, whatever, kids from a place called Nazareth that nobody ever even heard of. And we didn't get it, and it was confusing. But wow. Whoa, look what God did through us. Ordinary eh, people. Keep that in mind today, guys. The band's going to come up. We're not done yet. The band's going to come up. Now we're going to, we're going to wrap, wrap the message part of this up a little differently than what we normally do. Um, it was really hard for them to be used by God and blessed by God. And yet God used these two to change the world. So in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the mess, hold on to wow and woe. Let me explain that. Wow and woe is, dang, God uses me. Mary and Joseph, God used these ordinary nobodies from nowhere to change the world. This is you and me today. You know who you are today? You're a nobody. We're a bunch of nobodies from nowhere. And here's the tricky here's the part about this. Uh, we're going to take a, a, a moment here at the end of service. We're going to sing some songs together. And we're going to give you a chance to go receive prayer today. If you've got things where you're confused and things are difficult right now, our prayer team will be at the back of the house. Go back there and pray with them. We have communion available in the four corners of the room. It's bread and juice symbolizing the body and the blood of Jesus that was crucified for us 2,000 years ago to, to make the way home, to resolve our sin, resolve our evil. So come to get, receive communion here in a bit. But, but stay with me here for a bit now. Because here's Mary and Joe. Nobody's from nowhere that's you and me too. God wants to use you to change the world. Not, not to change the world like Mary and Joseph. That was, it's in the Bible because they changed like, literally the whole world. How God used them. But at some level, God's using you to change the world for somebody. Parents in here. You know why you have those kids? To change their world. The reason you're in a small group and speaking to each other's lives out there is to change the world for somebody. Help them keep hanging on and holding on. The reason you're in, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, the conversations to invite people to church, to come discover and follow Jesus like that, you know how God's going to, God's put you there to change the world for somebody. That's going to be the case. Teachers, people in education today, you are there to change the world for those kids, especially if you're a Christian in that classroom. You're changing the world as you don't just teach them math and science and history you show them care and compassion and shine the light of Christ out there in ordinary, kind of quiet ways. Let that light shine there. That's what you do when you serve with student ministries and children's ministries here. We don't want you to do that just because we need to have to take care of the kids so the adults can sit in here and not be distracted with the kids. The reason we do that is you step into that classroom Think about this last night. It didn't come up last night. Second grade kid at Trinity Baptist Church in San Jose, California. I don't remember the guy's name. I don't remember the classroom much. But somewhere in there, that little teach, that teacher in there every week just sat with us, rowdy bunch of second grade boys. 
told us a story and asked us, we're going to ask Jesus in our heart. In second grade, I said, yes. Changed the world for me. Changed the world. You know what that means for you and me today? God uses nobodies to change the world. Hey, that's who I am today. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can change anybody. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. It's up on the screen here. You can put it up on the screen. Put it up here, right? You're not there? No, 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 the, the, the thing. There we go. With me now. I'm just a nobody, with me, telling about somebody who can save anybody. Can we be a little less Caucasian with that now? I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. One more time before we sing. I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Let's sing. Nobody tried to tell everybody. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.